The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Tovop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because Mike Hal normally counts us in and he, just before he counted us in, he said, we're doing Tofop, uh, aren't we? And Will said, yes, please. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, it's so polite. Yeah, yes, please. One Tofop. <laughs> One order of piping hot Tofop. <laughs> please. Please. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't think anyone has used please and Tofop in the same sentence before. I think that please I've got will pretty- you turn off? Please will you turn off that tofop? Maybe. Uh, I think that I have reasonably good manners when it comes to saying please and thank you to people. What about you? No, you're extremely polite. In fact, I think you are polite to a fault. Like you are so considerate about other people. Sometimes I see you tie yourself into knots because you have a very simple objective, such as oh maybe we can get into the pub through this door. But you will stop and chat to whoever is standing outside the door, whether or not there's security or not. And explain what you want to do. Is that okay to get their permission? And is this the door we need to go through? Thank you. Sorry to trouble you. Is that all right? I'm like, Will, just fucking go through the door. Do all the consequences later. I mean, I never really realized about that about myself, but you are absolutely right. <laughs> that is exactly what I am like. <laughs> I'm like Jason Bourne if Jason Bourne stopped to explain his plans to everybody. Yeah. I mean, anyone would think you were like Hugh Grant or something. Right. Not because of the apologizing, but because you have sex with prostitutes. <laughs> right. That's just a separate, separate topic. Sorry. I mean, I felt people would get that anyway. Speaking of um, prostitutes. Oh, here we go. Sex workers. I have a story. Okay. Um, oh, hang on. All right. Hello. Next time on Home and Away. <laughs> I was in uh, the junction, um, uh, which is bon- a, a Bondo sort of shop, junction. Sh- shopping uh, district near where uh, Gemma and I live. And Gemma wanted to go to the gym, and so I had some time to kill. And I was like, I wouldn't mind getting a massage. But, you know, there's a couple of places I go to in the area. Oh, you know where this is going? Oh, well, I, 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 look, maybe it's got a Westworld-style twist. <laughs> underneath it charlie but i reckon if this was some sort of game show and i needed to have a guess i'd lock in an answer right now (laughs) what is a state of embarrassment for charlie (laughs) all right tell me more uh so i did a quick google of um you know a place in there i was looking for a thai massage i like thai massage Uh, because it's a mix of massage and also they'll, they'll stretch and all that kind of stuff Okay. So I came up with these three places and I had time. So I, I thought I'll just wander around and get a vibe and work out which is the place that will get my business. And so the first sure. two I went to, it's like, oh, I don't know. You know, one of them seemed like, one was set up like a strange medical lab. It was almost like if you were making a B grade movie in the 80s set in the future and you wanted to do like a lab, that's what this massage place looked like. It was just a little too 
trying to be clinical, like it was all white walls. The receptionist was wearing like a white button-up jacket. You know, it, it was it was like they were overcompensating for the lack of scientific process that was going to go into the NASA. Right, yeah. The wider the lab coats, the less actual science going on in that lab. Because you know, like most massage places you go into and they'll have like a little leaflet, little menu of, you know, what you can get. Well, that was what I was about to say. What are you looking for? What is your ideal environment you want to find yourself in? Well, I I wanted a a, a deep tissue remedial style massage Uh with elements of kind of like stretching so with a Thai massage they'll 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 work on the knots in your back and then they'll like grab your arms and bend your backwards like a pretzel and stuff and I kind of that's what I felt like I needed so remedial good deal you wanted the pretzel I wanted the pretzel but what I really wanted was just someone who knew what they were doing I would have gone for like a a sports massage or whatever if I felt like this place was the place so this first one I go to so what you want is an experienced practitioner over the style of massage so you'd exactly. ideally like a Thai massage, but if it's like a if it's someone who's really good at Swedish, you'd rather take them than somebody who's just okay at Thai. Yeah, and okay. and I'm not going to go in for like uh, I wasn't looking for a relaxation massage or a, like a Hawaiian. Have you ever had a Hawaiian massage? What is a Hawaiian massage? It's 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 uh it's interesting. I don't look. I've had one because it was recommended to me by someone who said it's quite holistic and I don't know if I'm using that word in the correct way but the idea being that it's not just about sort of rubbing the muscles it's also about like a mental cleansing and blah 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 so when I went to get the Hawaiian massage the woman explained like because I said oh my shoulder's been really tight and blah 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 and she said okay just explain to you we don't treat sort of injuries it's not like a sports massage or anything it's more it's a sort of long broad strokes uh, and it's uh, a, it's like based on Hawaiian tradition, like spiritual tradition. So they there's some like uh, breathing to expel negative energy and all this kind of stuff. Um, and you've got to be completely naked. <laughs> so <laughs> this is not the story I'm going to tell. I but, feel uh, like, by the way, just can I just say, the Hawaiians have really nailed the massage market. They're like. <laughs> You know what? We could be like, you know, the tie or whatever and get really involved, but that's really physical. Uh, how about we just do one where we don't really have to do that much? Just like long strokes. <laughs> well, and then no, we just kind of actually... put our hands over them a bit. Oh, and they're naked. They should be naked. Yeah. <laughs> it actually is quite an intense. It's, I think it's called a kahuna massage. Uh-huh, and it is yeah, quite. It is. <laughs> it's quite physical for the masseuse because literally, <laughs> so just say they're, they're doing the back of your leg. Uh-huh. They will start. They will put their wrist on the uh, on your Achilles, and then they will run their entire arm up your calf and the back of your thigh using the elbow. So it's like these long. Oh, there we go. It's a lomi lomi massage. My Cal knows what's up. What did you call it? Lomi lomi. Yeah, but what did you call it before that? The big kahuna. K- kahuna. No, it, oh, the kahuna a, massage. It, yeah, or the lomi lomi. Yeah, <laughs> they're not very similar, really, are they? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the place I went to, I think, was called Kahuna Massage. Right, but isn't is kahuna is also what? like a, like a slang term for people's breasts, right? Really? Yeah, kahuna. Kahuna, right? Is that not right? Am I, I not right so. about that? If I just made have that you up? E- have you ever used it? Kahunas. She's got big kahunas. No, I think you've mixed up hooters and kajungas. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean, what? There's a lot of words that are meaningless, which you could say to me, and I would guess that you were talking about boobs. Like if the if the sound has a kind of wobble sound in it. All right, hang on. A kahuna is a wise man or a shaman. Right. Okay. So that would make sense because they 
do this kind of prayer and they, you know, they expel bad energy and stuff. Oh, well, that's where that, ex- that's where that expression, the big kahuna comes from. Oh, I need to say right. the big kahuna, right? Like, you yeah. know, the biggest the, wise the man, the wisest wise man. So that massage, it is enjoyable because it's like, you know, it's, you're naked and someone's rubbing oil on you. So how bad can it really be? But personally for me, it's like, I need someone to actually attack the injured or the tight muscle in my body. So that's what I was looking for. So um, 80s sci-fi place, they had the little leaflet and photocopied. You know, when you get like a leaflet from a $2 shop or something and the photocopy, it's not, the, the typeset's not quite right. You know, like the image is kind of skew if, like it looks like a really cheap copy. So it was one of those and it had the, what, what I assumed on first inspection was the, you know, that medical symbol, that dagger with the snake going around it or whatever the, you know, the, right. you know, that, yeah. uh, whatever that symbol is. But then you looked at it and it was actually just a collection of shapes <laughs> that they sort of like created like a logo that sort of mimicked whatever the medical association logo is, but wasn't actually that. Um, it's like, you know, going to Bali and getting like a, 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 re, a, re, a Rebeck t-shirt. Right. Rebook. In the, yeah, Rebook. You guys, you guys wear, wear your Rebooks to the library, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I kind of said, okay, ruling that one out, not going to go there. Then I found another place that was a tie joint, but I like to go to um, places where you can get like a, a, a separate room. Cause you know, if you're in a shopping center or whatever, I'll just drag up a sheet or whatever. Uh-huh. And that doesn't help me relax. I'm, I have a, I have a phobia of people like seeing me asleep. Like I don't like the idea of people observing me while I'm kind of prone so I need like a door that locks. I don't want, I don't know, just a curtain separating me from the outside world. So place two, gone. So then I look at this last place and I'm reading the Yelp reviews and it's all like five stars, five stars and men and women saying, oh, this is great. They're so friendly. It's the most relaxing massage I've ever had. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you know, I don't like the first two. Hopefully third luck's a charm. Right. So I walk down uh, about two blocks and as I'm approaching the address, um, I see there's a, a bench outside and there's this like middle-aged man and he's wearing kind of like sneakers, sort of boardies, um, like an Oakley t-shirt, Oakley shades. And he's got a pack of smokes in one hand and he's just like, you know, the, you know, the kind of drag that dudes do where it's like just really getting every last bitter nicotine out of that cigarette, like real yeah, just tight grip. When, when they're doing that okay kind of symbol with their yeah. fingers to like drag yeah, between it out. The, yeah, index and thumb, you know, and just really just sucking down. So as I'm getting closer, the guy sees me approaching and looks at me and goes, nice. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's, that's weird. And I didn't really put two and two together. I thought right. maybe, maybe he's checking me out. Maybe I'm, I'm nice. And I'm like, all right. So I just you know, give him a bit of a nod and go up the stairs. I get into the place and I'm greeted by this Thai girl. And I'm like, okay good start like looks like sure. i'm getting a tie massage but then i'm like gee she's awfully dressed up for like a masseuse normally they wear kind of like a pajama or you know so like a nurse's kind of you know smock and, and kind of like fisherman pants or whatever but she's like dolled up you know she's wearing this black satin top lots of makeup you know uh, earrings and stuff like that and she's like now, oh, hey hey come in come in come in let me yeah. let me ask you this question are you at this point in any way suspicious, like with now the guy downstairs and the slightly 
over just uh, is there in your mind at any stage at this point any suspicion that something weird's going on 100 <laughs> percent. like <laughs> it was like okay so you've seen that new okay okay go video that everyone's posting online Have yeah you seen that? it's good it's and it happens real, in, you know what it's really good it happens in 4.6 seconds but there's a huge story unfolding in between all that so that's kind of what this right. is like well they, they the shot it in they shot a bit of footage that goes for 4.7. I mean, people may have or may not have seen it by now, but so they shot the thing that go, and then they stretch it out in slow mo, and it becomes this story of the film clip. It's very, it is very stunning to watch. So, at what point do we stop? Because people, it was very cool for a while to write off OK Go as being like, oh, love their film clips, hate their music. But they consistently produce these brilliant music videos. Do we now have to sort of put them in a different category where it's like, okay, you know, they're they're making art videos or they're making, you know, because it's not about the music really. It's about the, the music video. No, I, I, I was thinking that exact same thing today. I said, they're now doing something that's all their own. Yes. Like, I mean, even this song that goes to this isn't a new song. This is like some song from 2014 or whatever. Like, I think, oh, they've really? even, yeah, I think even OK Go have gone, you know what? Even we don't want to hear our own music. We don't need to write a new song for this. Let's concentrate on having a new cool idea for the video clip. But they have had a new cool idea for the video clip. I thought they had OK Gone. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was all over for OK Go. They had their fucking moment in the sun because it's hard to keep coming up with cool concepts. But this one's a cracker, I reckon. Yeah, it's awesome. So, uh, yeah, it was, this is my OK Go moment with uh, more potential for sex. Right. Um, so I, like you, am polite. So when the girl said, come and come in, I didn't want to embarrass her or anything. So I thought, well, I'll just give myself a logical reason to leave that doesn't sort of, you know, shine a spotlight on what may be going on or embarrass anyone. So I said, oh, do you have a, a menu of, of what's available? And she said, no, no, just it's a, it's a really relaxing oil massage. Just come this way, come this way. She's quite keen for my business. And I said, oh, look, sorry. I'm looking for a very specific style of massage. I need like remedial sports massage. Right. It's fine. I'll find somewhere else. On my cock. <laughs> <laughs> so I wheeled around and went back uh -huh. down the stairs. And because the guy on the bench is at the foot of the stairs. Right. So I step out and, he's, <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like sort of confused because, I mean, some dudes are quick, but that was really quick. Um, and then he said, what did he, he said along the lines of, uh, they're good, right? And I was like, what do you come here for? <laughs> and he said, what do you reckon? And I'm like, okay, we're all on the same page then. <laughs> but it did get me thinking, hand jobs, yep. very difficult to master. Like, here's the problem when you're giving a hand job. I imagine uh -huh. if you're a, a gay guy or a girl is you are attempting to perform something on someone who is an expert. You're about to cook a meal for Gordon Ramsay. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm going to pay for sex, I think a handjob would probably be the last thing that I'd pay for. Here's what I'm going to say about the, your analogy just for the second. I reckon a meal always tastes better if someone else prepared it for you. So, I think that it, despite the fact that Gordon Ramsay might be able to cook better himself... He'd be wrapped to have a night out of the kitchen. He's always in the kitchen, yeah. Gordon. Well, you know it what depends, I mean? though. If the meal was cooked by his wife, 
then I think he'd be like, oh yeah, that was a good meal, you know, because there's something associated with it. It's, it's, it's about being together and having that meal. If a stranger came up to Gordon Ramsay and said, here's something I whipped up, he may be more hesitant. Or if Gordon Ramsay had gone to a restaurant that he thought was a bit sus and they'd brought out a meal before he had a chance to walk out, I don't know that he would necessarily eat that meal because he's not sure of the quality of the meal. Okay. Well, here's the thing I will say about, like, you say that you're the expert in, like, the hand job. But to be honest, here's what I... Uh, I've never really thought about this, but now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like I've stumbled onto something. Like, don't you just mostly keep with the style you first developed? <laughs> like, for yourself? Like, you, for yourself, you kind of, like, develop some sort of style early on. Like, everyone, I imagine, develops... Maybe not. Maybe I'm completely wrong on this. But you develop in your first couple of years your own style. And then you know what gets yeah. the job done for you. So it's not like you then go out of your way and go... Like, have you ever Googled, you know, best way to give yourself a hand job or best... Like, I don't get fancy shit involved in that process. I'm sure there's things I could, like, electrocute myself with or stick in different places <laughs> or oils that I could heat up or whatever the fuck it is that would make it All better. Right. But I've just decided... Like that, uh, that'll do. So I think your Gordon Ramsay analogy is wrong. It's more like me going out for dinner because I'm like, well, this person probably is better because they like cook dinner every day, whereas I'm not. I don't cook dinner that often. I just need someone <laughs> to cook dinner for me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I guess it's like, I you know, when it comes to yourself, you are like a seventh Dan black belt, right? So you know, know all the moves. You know all the moves. But there is a repertoire to choose from depending on the situation in which you find yourself. If you're fighting, you know, five on one, you're going to use different parts of your repertoire than if it was just you and one on one. So depending on what you are using, what material you're using with your meal, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the circumstances of your meal, where your meal is. The time frame of your meal? I don't know. Okay, I don't think I can follow the analogy anymore. But my point <laughs> being that, but what about the idea of sensitivity? Like in in that you, yes, of they, course, you, they, you, you know more about what it is that makes you feel good. But what you cannot mm. do is be someone else's hands. Like, you know, you, you are attached to your own body. So it feels in a different way to what somebody else is like. You know, somebody else touching you feels like. Me touching myself doesn't feel like somebody else touching me in any way. Yeah, I guess it's that thing of you can't tickle yourself, right? There is like something that well, happens. You, you, well, you can tickle yourself, but you can't. Like, it's not like your body isn't <laughs> capable of like doing this tickle, 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 tickle. I'm tickling myself it's, right now. But it, it doesn't, doesn't make you... It doesn't yeah. make you laugh or, or whatever right. because you can, you're anticipating it. Yeah. So, all right. All right. I mean, I'm lost in the analogy as well, but we'll wrap up by saying... Oh, no, I've got one more question always... now. I've yeah. got one more question now. What if... How different do you think human mm. beings would be if we could not masturbate? Like, so if the only way we could like ejaculate, like, you know, go mm. through that, whatever, was from another person. We'd go, we'd go crazy. The planet would be destroyed. I mean, why didn't they make it like that? Why didn't, like, why didn't they make it like, you know, like tickling? What, you know, was tickling the big issue or us sitting around touching ourselves all day long? 
Like, which of those um, two is the big, like, do you know what I mean? Like, if we got, you yeah. can tickle yourself back. It's not like you'd spend, like, at, at morning, at night, sneak into your office to have a little tickle. Like, yeah. that wouldn't be happening. Yeah, yeah. I guess productivity would probably go up. Right, I would have thought so. And also, I think that, like, human relationships would go up. Like, you know, I mean, if, if you had to have someone. And I think that, like, you know what I think? I think the sexuality thing. Like, would just go out the fucking window. Because I think people's, like, you know, sort of, like, lines they draw over, like, having another guy touch their dick or whatever would go down really, really quickly if that's the only way that... Yeah, it's true. But yeah, there'd be a lot more... There'd be a lot more need for uh, union and, and contact and interaction. I think you might be onto something, Will. Right. Well, hang on. But then again... <laughs> okay, well... There is, there is an experiment. There is a microcosm. And it hasn't worked out too well, which is the Catholic Church. Well, I mean, hang on. Because you're Are told we... you're not meant to masturbate. Yeah. No, but this isn't, this is, this is taking away the temptation to do it at all because it just doesn't, it's like, it's like tickling. You just can't get yourself off. Like I'm using the exact tick, tickling analogy. You can like, in the same way as okay. I can make the motion of tickling, you could make the motion of like masturbation, but it doesn't give you yeah. any pleasure in the same way the tickling right. thing. In this, in this nightmarish vi- vi- vision of the world, <laughs> <laughs> would you say so in the same way that when you tickle yourself, you'd feel pressure, you'd be aware of the pressure and the movement, yeah. but just wouldn't have the same nerve response, right? It'd just, it just, be, just be like if I was doing it to my wrist or to my arm or whatever. Okay. Okay. I still reckon you'd have people attempting to get themselves off fight. They, penises would be rubbed raw with people <laughs> trying to make it happen. Do I don't think, think... That would be the problem with productivity. Everyone would stop their yeah. actual jobs and they would all be dedicated on how can we do it ourselves? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Every scientific dollar would be pumped into how do we get wanking again? In fact, if you wanted to do this as a sci-fi film, like Children of Men, you know, the premise is that uh, uh, that no one's breeding anymore, that no one can get pregnant anymore, that we're, we're dying out. A child is born who can't masturbate and then that spreads and we're heading to a future where no one can do it. There would, like every country would unite to make sure we had the right to keep wanking. Okay, here's a question for you, hypothetical. Um, okay. You're never allowed to masturbate again. Yeah. Or I mean, they take away masturbation. Like, you know, it's not just you, but like, you know, for everyone. But when you orgasm, in return, when you orgasm, you orgasm 10, ten times, like, more enjoyably. Give me that criteria again. Right. So they take, you can't masturbate ever again. Doesn't yep. work anymore. Like, yep. like, t- like tickling, take away the sensation. Yep. But, when, but when you do, like, you know, have sex or whatever with somebody else, it's yeah, like. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like 10 times like better. So it's like a compulsory acquisition. We're buying right. your land, but we're going to put you in a mansion. <laughs> right. Well, I think that works for people who are already in relationships. But if you're a, a, a dude, and I'm going to generalize, I'm going to say right, mostly course. dudes would, would have a problem giving this up. Uh, I reckon that's, you would find most of your opposition coming from angry males. Uh, kind of like the last U.S. election. I mean, that's a fair point. Yeah, I, I, we don't want to give those uh, alt-right MRA guys, like, you know, some extra pressure. More ammunition. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> literally more ammunition. That's, that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, I think, that, I think there would be a, a strong uh, kickback from people who believe in... Uh, 
Are we saying this is like a a medical procedure or it's like a genetic defect that has affected the population? Yeah, I'm going to say it's like an evolution of our population. Like we become so addicted to like we become so addicted to internet pornography that like you know to the deficit of our relationships and they realize the only way that we can do it is a in the vaccine vaccines by the way vaccinate your children this is not an anti-vaccine thing only in this sci-fi world but in the vaccines they decide you know they they discover the tickling thing the thing that makes tickling not work and they say we can also do that for genitals yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is always a bad sentence when someone finishes we can also do this with genitals (laughs) like it turns out this is not what we were looking for. We were trying to make erections harder, like we always do. That's most of yeah. our funding is on how do we make erections go until you die. Like, how can you get a, you know what? How can you get a stiffy as you die? How can you die from getting a stiffy? That's what we're working on right now. We want the stiffest thing in the coffin to be your cock, not your body. That's our. That's what uh, we're working on. That would be an amazing kind of. Um uh, uh, irony or hubris is if Viagra is the company that develops the thing that eventually makes masturbation impossible. Well, that's the thing. They have to take it to the next level or they realize it's so harmful to us and they've contributed to it in some way. So like um, yeah, Viagra and the porn industry joined together to form some conglomeration to kind of repair the damage they've done. And they, yeah, they take away your feeling in your genitals. Well, only <laughs> your self-feeling, not your... Like, yes. you know, they, yeah, they, no, you can still... Look, I think you would see, like everything, you'd see some benefits. I think you're right. I think, like, relationships would improve. I think that, right. you know, maybe productivity, that you might even see a move away from the hypersexualization of popular culture. It may come back to ideas and, and concepts as opposed to who's wearing a G-string on Instagram. Um, right. I think that... I think... So, uh, you want to sterilize the population well. <laughs> <laughs> Not sterilize them, Charlie. <laughs> Well, well, you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs. I mean, we may sterilize a few in the process, yeah. in the early yeah. days. But like you said, Charlie, you've got to sterilize like a, a couple va- of eggs. Like, like a vaccine, it's not right. risk-proof. Yeah, exactly. Maybe a few kids will get autism. Maybe <laughs> yeah. there'll be some links. But you know what? It will probably just be correlation, not causation. There's often, you hear those stories, like they're in you know, the British tabloids and stuff about like a woman who can't stop orgasming. Or whatever you know has like 64 orgasms a day or whatever what kind of sweet hell would that be well it'd be terrible it'd be like that guy who um uh you know the, the in the simpsons you know the guy who's been hiccuping he has the world record for yeah. hiccuping and it's like kill me kill yeah. me that's what it would be like i imagine because that's not fun well also when you think about it like you and i we've discussed this before but we're quite rewards oriented with you know food and uh, drinking, all that kind of stuff. We like to get some work done and reward ourselves with, you know, whatever it is. Yep. And that works because that thing becomes special and it's always like a steady incline. You know, you work to this point, you get that thing. Addiction comes along when that reward is everything and you have no point of happiness. So if you say like an orgasm is physically, and I guess mentally as well, that the most blissful you can feel and you're always at that level then you might as well kill yourself because it's not going to get better than that. Right. If you feast every day, you never feast. Yes. As Jared Healy likes to say on Sports Today. <laughs> on I was about to say, who is that? Uh, Confucius, Will? Sartre? No, Jared Healy. 
uh, what's going on in Australia? Because I'm in America at the moment, so it's hard to get much Australian news. What's the prevailing feeling in Australia at the moment? What about Trump? Uh, are people like, what are people in Australia feeling now that it's all settled down a bit? Um, it's actually, it's still sort of, it's, it's gone off the front page. Initially, when the election happened, probably like everywhere, it was like, you know, you could sort of, it was all people could talk about. But I think there's a real wait and see. In fact, we just actually, um, uh, I had a meeting with a, a financial advisor the other day and I was asking him, you know, have you seen any shifting? And he said, well, you know what? It's actually, there was a spike. It always, always happens, but now it's stabilized and he feels like it will stay that same way until inauguration. And I feel that that's the general feeling in Australia about Trump as a whole is everyone's like, okay, that thing happened. It was a real surprise, but there's not a level there's not like a huge level of um, protest or anger or, you know, trying to take him down or, or anti-Trump sentiment. Um, and yet there's not an awful lot of pro-Trump sentiment either. It it's definitely feels like a wait and see kind of vibe. I read an interesting article um, about uh, American comedy clubs and how they've changed already the audiences and stuff. And I've certainly noticed that so far in my touring. I'd like, I'm going out with the dollop this weekend, so I assume that won't be, yeah, because Dave's opinions are pretty well known mm. so i can't imagine booking a ticket to the dollop or whatever not knowing but it, it has yeah. been very interesting well it's funny like you're obvious you know your usual suspects your murdoch sort of paper colonists and stuff tried to get a bit of a run on off the back of the election victory it's like you know aha you know this is where you know rampant leftism has taken us and the world's responded and everyone better fucking wake up and blah 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 but it didn't seem to really get any traction i don't know if you've heard about what's going on in one nation but um no no what's got what's going on well they they seem to be fracturing already um uh, uh i can't remember his name cullen from western who's a western australian member uh of one nation and pauline hansen aren't talking in fact she was on uh the abc this week and literally appealed on the tv show for him to come to her office so they can discuss why he hasn't been coming to meetings and so forth i mean that's good times, isn't it? Like, I mean, they well, got five. They got five hundred thousand votes in the last election, so like, there is a little bit of that in this country. But also, I love the idea that they're called One Nation and they can't even agree with each other. It's amazing. Well, he was saying that he's too busy with his ministerial duties, and then, as one journalist pointed out, his office is literally an eighty-meter walk to her office, and she's had to go on TV to get him there. You yeah. should start. You should start doing that in home and away. You should start slipping in messages to Gemma. Yeah, right. And I'd just like to say to you, uh, River Boys, happy anniversary, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite work on scripted drama. But yeah, so they, uh, that's, because there was a little bit of um, strutting around from One Nation after the Trump victory. Like, I don't know if you saw, there's a really embarrassing photograph of like Malcolm Roberts and Pauline Hanson, like uh, raising a glass of champagne out the front of Parliament House as if, they fucking had anything to do with his victory. Well, uh, they they put the champagne in their hands. They just wanted to actually raise their hands in the air, but they thought if we put the champagne in, it doesn't look as sus. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like anyone who was hoping to piggyback off the back of uh, the Trump thing hasn't really managed to do it. And there's just a general Australian politics at the moment, like. It's really depressing. Like, there just does not seem to be... I, I mean, it seems to be if you become prime minister in this country, like, you're guaranteed to have your popularity dip below 
thirty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 like people until they're running the joint, and then we hate them. It's hard to tell if we've just got a really really bad bunch, or you know, is the system so broken that whoever you put in charge of it, it's just impossible to to get it going. I I don't know what the answer to that is, but, but I, I know that something's but, broken. But if prime ministers, the last three three we've had, can't even get four last four prime ministers can't even get their party to agree. Like, it's insane. Like, how are these people getting elevated without the full backing? Or they get elevated with a full backing of their party and that lasts about two weeks. Yeah, well, basically, you know, you know, it, like our politicians are like those players who are getting 40 touches in the reserves. And you're like, oh, he'll kill at the AFL level. And then you put him up and you make him captain and then he's never playing again. Like, I mean, they're, te- they're terrible. Like, I mean, the compromises they have to make. Well, I don't think they do, actually. That's the problem. I don't think they do have to make these compromises. I think that, like, Malcolm Turnbull, like, just wanted power so much. He just never really thought about why he wanted that power. He just wanted the, mm. he wanted the idea of having the power. He, he was like, he didn't think about what am I going to do with this power once I have it. So he did anything to get the power. And then once you have the power... You have all these people that you owe because you made all these deals on the way to get the power. So how do you fix it? Oh, Charlie, if I knew that, I would not be wasting it on this podcast. <laughs> I'd be doing a special episode of Willosophy. No, <laughs> no I, I don't what, fucking I mean, do you, know. Like, okay, so you, know, you, you have had Trump who's come along riding this kind of wave of popularity with right-leaning ideals and, and catchphrases and stuff like that. And then, you know, you've got a Justin Trudeau who seems to be the anti-Trump, you know, riding a wave of sort of left-wing ideals and stuff. I just, like, I feel like the template is out there for an Australian politician who is smart to go, oh, you know what people want to hear? Nothing that they've ever heard before. They want someone to come out on the left or the right and actually just fucking cut through all the bullshit and not make all these fucking deals and be compromised once they get in. I mean, I'm hoping that the next that we get our own Justin Trudeau, but who knows? Like, thank God our most charismatic right-wing leader is Pauline Hansen. because if there was someone who was actually really likable, then we might be fucked. Right, well, the most amazing thing is on every survey, we still manage to be like top five, if not top two in the world on living standards. Like the thing of how rich people are came out this recently and Australia is the second richest country in the world still. And it's like we have the best car in the entire world, but for the last decade, like five drunk people have been arguing <laughs> over the keys. Like, it just still it still keeps winning races, like, just because the car's so good. But maybe that is the problem. Maybe things are going too well. Like, maybe people are more compliant when they're scared and angry, and you can actually get shit done because they look for leadership. Maybe because Australia is doing well and people are doing well, they're not as inclined to transfer power to someone else or, or, or give someone enough power to make decisions for them. I just don't understand how the best country in the entire world, well, the one that could be, well be the best country in the entire world, can't get anyone to run the fucking joint properly. <laughs> and secondly, th- that we never hear about the fact that we, like imagine if we started trying being the best at stuff. Like we're the best at stuff by accident so fucking often. Imagine if we actually started putting in. Imagine if we did a decent preseason and we got ourselves a good fucking coach and we pulled ourselves together as a country, the things we could fucking achieve. It would be outstanding. Yeah. I mean, it does kind of feel like it's a, it's a, a self-esteem issue. 
you know, where we can look at uh, countries in Europe and stuff who are pioneering with like uh, solar power and wind power and stuff and be like, oh, that's all right for them. But, you know, this is Australia and we're not, you know, it's like an inferiority complex. We don't see yeah. ourselves as being able to lead in that field. Why not? Yeah, that's exactly the, the, the truth, Charlie. Like we were the first people who basically developed solar panels. We were using them for people to communicate by radio across the outback and they had to develop them. We could have been world leaders in this shit if we just had a bit of ambition. Like we spent so much time worrying about how we went at the fucking Olympics and yet we could be like world leaders when it comes to science and technology and these sort of things. We have people mm. who are developed in our countries who go over to become world leaders in those things, but we have no fucking ambition because we can't get anyone in charge of the country. Like, that's the other thing about Australians is, in general, they're pretty nice people because they've had a pretty nice life. So mm. I reckon you could round them all up. Like, I think genuinely they're pretty decent. And at the moment, we're being forced to act in ways that are not decent at all. Like, I mean, mm. I'm in America and people laugh about the wall, but Australia has a moat. We were just lucky enough that it was already there. Like, we're stopping asylum seekers from coming to our country because we're stopping them from coming over the sea. It's the exact same fucking thing as the wall. In fact, it's more effective than the wall. So the idea that, you know... That we're, the country's being run in the way that it should be being run. That's wrong. Like, we could we could do so much better than we are right now. And when was the last time anyone, you heard a politician actually fucking say that? Like, actually say, hey, we have all these great things, and if we really pull our shit together, we could have a way of life unprecedented around the world. Mm. I mean, we already do, almost by accident, you know. But that's... <clears throat> I, I think it's... It, it's a sign of the times we live in though because to say that would require a dialogue and politicians can't afford a dialogue it's all fucking five word catchphrases and eating onions and all that kind of shit like i mean i, I don't i feel like in the same way that i i don't even listen to the radio anymore because i feel like i can't get anything of substance in two and a half minutes that's why i've gone to podcasting when I watch the news, I don't feel like I'm getting anything of any substance. You know, even, and that's for most, like, you know, uh, if you're watching something online or on, your, on TV or whatever, even when you watch the cable channels that have 24 hours to get into an issue, they don't often get into an issue. Well, they don't have 24 hours of actual news. That's the problem. This fucking 24-hour news cycle. Like, of course, there is actually 24 hours of news in the world. And if they had the resources to actually cover all the news, we would hear more about these conflicts and whatever that are happening in these places that the refugees are coming from. And we might have a little bit more empathy and sympathy because we would understand their stories. But instead, the 24-hour news cycle is really a one-hour news cycle repeated every 24 fucking hours. So it has that same structure. Mm. You have people screaming at you and hooking you in to come back next hour and hear them talk about the same fucking shit over and over again and get to the bottom of none of it. They don't want to achieve yeah. anything. They want to hook you in to keep listening or watching. It's fucking bullshit. I know it's very topical at the moment, but this idea of misinformation, you know, the lack of trust people now have in what they read because it's it just feels so overwhelming like you can find an, you can find an article to support whatever argument or belief you have you start with the belief and then you substantiate it through what you find online rather than being told information and, and working out what the truth is and I, uh, weirdly weirdly enough i just read an article that proves everything you just said is bullshit and i can link you to three other articles <laughs> <laughs> it's like when people post on facebook like, 
my favorite of those fucking please stop putting this shit up is um, uh, science explains why messy people are, are more intelligent or, or oh, some yeah. shit like that. And it's like, where did you get this? Like people who are assholes tend to actually be more successful. No, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, uh, that stuff's always so self-serving. You get a really yeah. good pic. You get a really good picture of how that person sees themselves. So it's always yes. one like you know, intelligent people swear more. I fucking told yeah. you, and you're like, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> you did just tell me something about you that you didn't think you were telling me. How do you feel about uh, inspirational quotes when people post inspirational quotes? I like them. All of them? Yeah. Really? I have a real soft spot for an inspirational quote. I have a, uh, the only thing that I have on my desk at home at the moment uh, is uh, an inspirational quote. It's on like a heavy bit of like, uh, you know, silver or lead or whatever the fuck it actually is made of. But yeah. And carved into it, it says, uh, what would you achieve if you knew you could not fail? And I, I, and I like to look at that occasionally and be inspired by that. And I used to have like a thing of like daily quotes. And I don't mind when somebody puts up an inspirational quote or meme or something like that. I like a, I like a Hallmark card. I don't mind a card. I don't mind a good card. Really? Yeah. There's a part of me that could have gone into the card game. That would have been right. very happy if my job was just being the guy who came up with card like greeting card slogans. I I feel like that would have suited my skills. I'm good at Twitter and stuff. Like just a little yeah. pithy like holiday sort of emotion. Like I think that would be. I think I'd so. Be you good would at do? That. Would you do all seasons and events, or would you specialize in like? birthdays and funny no i think i want to do the whole i think the excitement would be in like the challenge of like it'd be right like writing monologue jokes like there's some standard Mm. things i mean there's birthdays every day but like it'd be the kind of easters or maybe having to research like a a, you know a a jewish holiday or something like that that i didn't really understand that's where the you know the real fun would be you know and do you think like i'm thinking now if i had to write a line of say um uh, sympathy cards yeah like what there's a whole heap of cliches like, you know, deepest condolences for your loss. May they be welcomed into uh, God's kingdom, something like that. Right. Would yeah. I have to be a bit more imaginative than that or does that pass? No, that passes, but my sort of thing is going to be a bit more specific. So, like, right. for example, you know, it, it, like what was the occupation of the person who, who like, died? Oh, so you'll customize the Yeah, happy to do that. Happy to do that. Oh, my God. Hang on, hang on, well, you are giving away fucking gold here. Tofop greeting cards, personalised by Will and Charlie, mainly Will. I <laughs> know, right. oh, but we still need to get someone in to do like the, I mean, I guess Foz, we could get Foz to do the... Foz to do the art- artwork, yeah. We'll right. do a range of Tofop greeting cards. So there's like birthday, wedding, anniversary. What are the standard ones? Um, I mean, it, it, would, it, would, it would be a good way to like get people to know about the podcast. <laughs> yeah. When your Uncle Jan has died, or your Aunt Jan has died, and you get a, you get a TOEFOP sympathy card. We heard your auntie cocked it. That really sucks. <laughs> Check us out on Patreon. Chuck us 20 bucks. <laughs> they don't all need to rhyme, but <laughs> I feel like maybe the death ones don't need to <laughs> be jaunty. I feel like that we want to tie them into the brand as well. So it should be like, everyone relax. She'll live on in our memories. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> She's totally dead. <laughs> You're totally never seeing her again. <laughs> Love Tofop. 
I think there's something in that. Yeah. Another idea to lose us money. Yeah, no, but I do like, I, I mean, I, I guess if I were like just some fantasy world where, and I don't know what the day-to-day for these guys is like. Maybe it's a terrible job. Maybe it's maybe it's not the fantasy world that I've spun myself about. But I just kind of feel like that would be a job where you're going to have another life. You know, you get your inspiration mm, right, yeah. from the everyday. You know, you go to an yeah. art gallery or whatever and like, you know, trying to just get inspired and whatever, try to feel it. See how people were greeting um, each other. I had a job for a short time writing the funny captions on celebrity photos for magazines. I remember this. Tell people and about that, this. And that, uh, so it just, uh, you know, there's like a tabloid magazine and they would get photos of, well, back in those days, it would have been Nicole Ritchie and the Madden Brothers and, you know, they were the most common sort of uh, photograph. And they, were, they just wanted sort of funny, you know, uh, irreverent comments on the photo. They didn't want, you know, describing what was going on, but like, um, so give us an example. Do you, do you remember any okay, of the Okay, so you did? there was a photo of uh, one of the Madden brothers uh, and whoever he was married to with their kid at a park. And the Madden brother was in like this plastic tunnel, like, you know, please play equipment. And the kid was looking in at his dad. And so in inverted commas, I wrote, hey, mum, I found dad. He's here. He's sleeping and he smells funny. Something like that. Okay. All right. Or I did one. It was a photo of Chris Pratt and Anna, Anna Faris, or Faris on a beach. And it was back when he was in his Parks and Rec day, so he was a bit heavier. And uh, it was a photo of him in his Speedo standing next to Anna Faris. Quite a sweet photo. And so I captioned it, Chris Pratt is full of love for his wife, Anna Faris, and gravy. <laughs> well, that could have gone two ways. That could have been like, well, he's lost the sensation in his generals, so he's full of gravy for his wife. I think I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to say that Chris Pratt's uh, career has been off the back of that. I'd like to think that that little insult spurred him on to become the megastar here he is now. I'll show him gravy. <laughs> Imagine if his whole body reformation and career, uh, career resuscitation is all because like, like of your pithy. Comment. Yeah, he just happened comment. to be in Australia and he read that comment and he was like, Is that people? Oh my God, do people think I'm full of gravy? <laughs> <laughs> to the gym. Yeah, that was a sweet job. That was a sweet job. Two hours a week. Um, money was pretty good, actually. I don't think you'd get it anymore now in publishing. I've got to imagine greeting card would be less. Now, I mean, that was nowadays. like a big, big printed, like big commercial um, publisher. So, well, this is this yeah. is why this is why mine's more a boutique business. You know, it's like a specific thing where, like, say you've got a wedding. Oh, here's mm. what I could do. This is a good business. So, say you've got a wedding and you want specific sort of like invitations for each of the people. So you give me a little list of what's funny about you know Charlie, for example. <laughs> like, so I get this little list. Like Charlie's got small hands. So then, like, I do a little like zinger, like as I'm, I'm yeah. introducing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. I think that's actually something in that. Just as like, because people are spending a lot of money around their wedding anyway. What's an extra five grand to get me to specifically? Part of me reckons though, there would be like a random greeting generator. There would be some algorithm or pattern that these companies have where they're like, you know, we need a deeper sympathy card and then they, they pump it into the computer and it spits out like 30 versions of condolences for your loss, deeper sympathy, live on forever, blah, blah, blah. So I would be competing against machines. So, so again, we've been replaced by robots before we've even yeah. fucking started our dream. <laughs> our dream. <laughs> well, my dream, but I, I hooked you in because you seemed yeah. enthusiastic. So I was like, finally, I've got somebody to help me pursue my dream. 
you you inceptioned me into your fucking uh, greeting card uh, dreamscape. Yeah, no, I did. It's a good point. Do you ever have any of those fantasies though? Do you have like a little, like I mean, before bookshops went out of business, I always had this kind of secret fantasy that I would own a bookshop and I would like write. It would be my office, so I kind of like half work in the bookshop and half and just kind of like write and be surrounded by books and stuff like. Have you ever had like yeah. a little, like what would my job be? I have retail dreams of like similar kind of thing where it's just like a shop, but I don't know what it would be. I actually uh, checked out a new donut I mean, by the joint. way, I need to point out, I do not know. I do not know how to run a shop. I need to point out for the, in this fantasy I had, I imagined me doing what I do now, which is sit around and writing on a computer in a place that was surrounded by books. There would actually have to be somebody else involved who was running the book business. You just want to own it. Right, yeah. And sit around hugely. I I went to this donut place yesterday that, because I Googled, uh, you know, best donuts in Sydney and this place is Uh called Grumpy Donut. Right. And it's just a little, like a tiny little shop. I know where this story is going. You went in. What? (laughs) And uh, they tried to put a donut in your dick, right? (laughs) Yes, but I couldn't feel anything. (laughs) Uh, That guy outside on the bench with icing sugar all over his face. I mean, you want to talk boutique business. This was like Uh a little corner store with enough room for, say, maybe five people to stand in there, like a a hole-in-the-wall type joint. They had six donuts, six flavors, and coffee. That's all they served. And it was pumping. Like there was heaps of people there and it was only like six variety of donuts. And so I was driving home and the donuts were okay. And I was thinking to myself, I love donuts. I spent a lot of time thinking about donuts. Right. Like, would I have to actually learn how to make a donut or could I just partner up with someone who loves making donuts and I just hang around the corner writing <laughs> like you hang around the corner writing while they make donuts? I feel like- It sounds like you and I don't want to start small businesses. <laughs> we just want to hang out in them. And do what we do normally for a living. Well, I'm going to pitch you an idea. How about half donuts, half bookshop? I love it. Right. Oh, out the front, like it says, the book where it says books, the two O's are both donuts. Love it. Right? Yeah. You come in, you get a donut, you sit around, you read yourself a book and there's two tables or even one large table. And where they're writing. <laughs> yes. I think it's a great idea. Donuts and books. Right. I mean, you, Calori- have, to buy, you have to buy the book though, because otherwise they're going to get really sticky. Are they secondhand or are they brand new? I mean, they could be secondhand. That's okay. Let's do it. Secondhand? No, nah, secondhand. Then fuck it. Then we don't have to clean them. Right. That's a good point. Okay. Secondhand books. Secondhand books, Although, but, fresh, but first-hand donuts. Yeah, and you'll be like, that's weird. This Grey's Anatomy is really sticky, but we haven't had any donuts there. <laughs> Charlie! The Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> just someone who's a really big fan of the TV show. <laughs> just jerking off over the Grey's Anatomy to Snow Patrol. If I stay here! Shh! It's a library. <laughs> it's not. It's a donut shop. Why are you singing that song while you masturbate? That's how I get off. <laughs> if I live here. It's the only way I can I feel did. something. I discovered it. They took away <laughs> feeling in genitals. But if you put a donut on your dick and sing Snow Patrol while masturbating to a Grace Anatomy, you can still make jizz come out. <laughs> World's worst customer. <laughs> um, all right, we should go. 
Will, do you have shows to plug? Yeah, I do indeed. Uh, by the time people hear this, maybe you'll be able to catch the Dollop Show in San Francisco on uh, Sunday night. Um, uh, but otherwise, the week after that, I'm in Alaska, Fairbanks, Alaska. And then the week after that, I'm in Denver at Comedy Works. And the week after that, I'm at Madison, Wisconsin, doing my stand-up comedy. Uh, Bahamas, first or second week of January. January 22, Fire at Will uh, recording at uh, Hang on. the Comedy Theatre. Hang on, is the, bah- the Bahamas, is that the name of the club or are you actually going to the Bahamas? I'm going to the Bahamas, yes. Are you really? Yeah. That's the most incongruous well, pairing since no, the Bermuda. No, I'm going to Bermuda, sorry, not Bahamas. All oh, right. I got, okay. my Coca- I got my Kokomo places wrong. <laughs> You're Coco confused. Uh, yeah, sorry, no, uh, Bermuda, Bermuda, I'm going to Bermuda. Uh, then uh, January 22nd, I'll be uh, at the Comedy Theatre in Melbourne recording Fire at Will, and uh, my Critically Will shows are now on sale in Adelaide and Melbourne, uh, Sydney, Brisbane, Hobart and Perth, uh, all on sale very soon. Uh, if you want to support the show, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash tofop. Um, it's basically like a monthly Kickstarter where you nominate an amount you'd like to donate to the show and every month's deducted from your credit card. Uh, starting at a dollar up to, well, what will we take? Uh, look, to be honest, let's just be honest about this. If you've got $10,000 that you can give us a month, that would really help us out. That'd be awesome. If you've got like 20 it, grand, even better. Oh, even if, uh, let's not get greedy. If there's someone out there who is willing to give us $10,000 a month for one year... Just to see what we can do with that, I, yeah. I, I would be very, very grateful. But otherwise, like a dollar, yeah, ten thousand a month. I reckon you get all the greeting cards. We like any event you have for the next twelve months that you need a personalized greeting card. We'll make it happen. Oh, that's the, that should be the level at ten. Yeah, yeah ten thousand dollars a month. We will write. Will and Charlie will write personalized greeting cards for any Not event you that. have in those 12 months. For 12 months, any personal note you have to write for anything, like you leave a note for your wife saying, I've just gone down to the shops, we'll write it for you. may take a bit of time to get to you, but we'll write it for you. Right. All reasonable correspondence for a year. Yeah. <laughs> reasonable correspondence. <laughs> Yet to be determined. All right, 50, I think that's it. 50,000 50, a month, all correspondence. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, listeners, you can do it. Get us those $50,000 donations. Um, yeah, all right, that's it. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson.